Hello and welcome to the second episode in our sector special series of ESG Out Loud, where we take a deep dive into the ESG opportunities and challenges presented by different sectors. I'm ESG Clarity Deputy Editor Natasha Turner, and today we're talking all about materials. Later on in the episode, I'll be joined by Albert Dewar, Chair and Co-CEO of UBQ, to share his insight working in the plastics industry itself. But first, I'm delighted to be speaking with Susanna Coutinho, Research Director at Main Street Partners, who's going to give us the lowdown from the investment industry perspective. So it's great to have you with us today, Susanna. Thank you very much. It's very good to be here. Brilliant. So first, uh, just in case there are any listeners that don't know, why don't you briefly explain your role at Main Street and what it involves? Yes, sure. Uh, my, my role um, at the company is basically to try to identify ESG risks and opportunities within different sectors, uh, different geographic locations, and to help our clients uh, to build investment universes. Uh, basically, we try to provide them with ideas, uh, potential um, investments, around sustainability because Main Street Partners is an investment advisory company but totally focused on sustainable investing. Um, our main role is to try to understand our clients uh, needs and our clients policies and preferences and to decline those within the investment uh, universe in sustainability. Uh, in my role specifically, and because it's it's a very broad uh, type of role, I look at uh, various sectors uh, with a focus, if I could say that there is a focus on um, very impactful companies and materials is actually uh, a very key sector uh, for our clients because it tries, it drives um, uh, it drives the change, it drives the transition towards a more clean uh, economy. Uh, so a very part, a very big part of my role and what the time I spend looking at companies is actually within this sector. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So you'll have uh, all the knowledge uh, on this sector then. So let's talk about materials then. What are the ESG or the sustainability factors that are unique to the sector? Um, so the materials sector is actually a very broad one. Uh, I like to, to think about it as um, uh, different subsectors within a sector. Uh, we can look at it from chemicals perspective. Um, we can think about construction materials, we can think about glass, paper, forest um, products, uh, mining companies, you know, it's a very broad, um, but basically it's anything that enables us to build something else. Um, it goes from, it's, it's basically raw materials, um, could be plastic, could be fertilizers, you know, and it's kind of a basis to help other sectors to do their own things. Um, and I remember um, you've had the, the technology deep dive podcast, uh, which is kind of the same type of approach. You also have technology in different sectors. You can apply to different aspects uh, in our day-to-day -day life. Um, and I see materials kind of the same. 
it enables um, other companies to make things better and make things quicker and make things more uh, recyclable, more environmental friendly. Um, in, in the in the end, is it's unique. In that sense, there, there, there is there are so many differences within the different materials, but in a common as a common uh, aspect, they do have this potential to drive um, circular economy. They have the the potential to enable energy transition. I could give you examples like raw materials, or in terms of of fashion industry. You know the different types um, of um, materials that we can now apply to different uh, clothes uh, you can make things more make things more sustainable that way you can have recycling technologies that enable um, other companies to build more sustainable products you have um, you can have lithium cobalt that will feed uh, the electric vehicles I mean, with all the problems associated, of course, it's not a, it's definitely not an impact free sector. Uh, but on the positive side, we do have the, the potential to drive the change. And there are also, um, of course, common issues among all the materials in terms of ESG risks. Unfortunately, we know we've read, uh, we keep reading news about environmental damage it is a, a reality we do have um, some cases of uh, human rights violations labor rights violations we've heard about mm, dam collapses and social unrest caused by um, labor right violations uh, people protesting sacred sites being damaged I mean, it's not a it's not a sector without impact. Uh, it's actually the contrary, uh, but it's it's a key sector, so we cannot avoid it. We cannot uh, just um, um, put it aside because of the the potential impact or damage. Um, and going back to your question, what's unique? It's unique the the, the role that it plays. Um, it's unique and it's kind of the common, um, they have common ESG issues, uh, but we can't get away from, from the sector. That's what I think. Yeah. So uh, I know you've mentioned that it's, it's quite broad, you know, you could, it's everything from plastics to, you know, mining companies and so forth. But if, you were to say that there were any kind of trends i mean in your sort of research over time is there anything that's coming out of the sector as a whole now when it comes to sustainability maybe you know an exciting new kind of chemical or something that's more sustainable mm -hmm. than what you were seeing you know five years ago or ten years ago or something what um mm -hmm. what would be a kind of uh trend of the moment when it comes to esg um, I, I really like the um, I really like the fact that some potential um, harmful materials can actually be become um, an input um, for other sectors. For instance, um, products like byproducts of industries um, can become 
uh, raw material for other sectors. Uh, we know that some companies use uh, plastic, they, they collect plastic waste and they use it as an input to create other products like shoes. Um, there are companies actually um, able to recycle material um, metals. Metals do have a very high um, ability to be recycled. Uh, lithium can be recycled and, and it kind of um, helps to mitigate the problems with um, batteries, with electric vehicle batteries. So we do have nowadays technologies that enable us to, to, to minimize and to mitigate the impact of the byproducts using them as inputs for other industries. I, I, I see it more and more in the market. And I think that's going to be key and it's going to feed the circular economy type of model. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. So if ESG investors or researchers are looking at the materials sector, what kind of things should they be looking out for when they're assessing particular companies? Are there any red flags that are particular to the sector or any positives? Um, yes, I am. I think I, uh, we, we always think um, about potential risks in terms of environmental damage, in, in terms of human rights, labor rights associated to, uh, with this industry. Um, however, I, I think investors or asset managers on their behalf should also pay attention. And, and of course they need to monitor, they need to, 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 meet, to assess the risks of the sector. But I think the key is to really assess the governance structure of the companies within this sector. Because ultimately, um, the management will be, uh, strong leadership will actually um, give more confidence to investors and they will actually, <laughs> good management, good uh, leadership, good oversight, will help to mitigate the risks of these companies. They, are, they, they tend to be um, targeted by regulation and, and nowadays with, with climate change, governments trying to, to, to be ahead um, and to fight against climate change, um, regulation is becoming strict. So if you have a good corporate governance structure, if you have good management that can anticipate that regulation coming up, um, that can have a good management, risk management system to mitigate those risks. I think that's the key. So if me as an investor or an asset manager uh, on my behalf is looking at these aspects, it's, it's actually looking at the management and talking with them and engaging and, and making sure they are doing the right thing. I, I do believe corporate governance has a very um, important role to play here. And uh, it's, a, it's an important part of, of, the, of the assessment of these companies. Um, of course, all sectors, of, of course, but in this case, particularly due to the high potential negative impact that these companies may have on social and environmental uh, in general.
Right, yeah, okay. That's very interesting, thanks. And I assume, again, in, in such a broad sector, there must be all different kinds of companies, but in the ESG or sustainability solution side of this sector, mm-hmm. is it normally smaller companies? Is it startups and things? Are they the ones that are making those, for example, you were talking about the re- solution stuff and therefore they've got their own governance yes that's yes that's a tricky one um because uh they tend to be well they start as a startup you know this innovative technologies around recycling for instance um and startups tend to have a, a a very unstructured corporate governance. So it is tricky, yes. And even engagement at that point doesn't work that much. Um, So yes, there is that risk. However, I believe that um, investment is key to escalate this business and to make it mainstream. Um, So I I believe um, it is important that you kind of, uh, keep keep the employees and invest um, on on uh, on on training them, and because this is a sector where you do have very high uh, technical skills, people very innovative that are able to 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 come up with uh, new uh, ideas. Uh, so I think uh, employee retention is very important. So if you manage to escalate your business enough to attract um, key people, it will be, you, you will move from a startup, startup stage to um, a helpful company driving the market. Of course, it, it takes time, it takes investment, uh, but there, there is capital out there. There is capital in this industry specifically. Um, and, and, and we cannot just, avoid investing or divest from such a sector that is key. Uh, so I, I, I do believe that actually it's the right investment rather than divesting that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, just finally then, and you've already touched on it um, at the start. Uh, so I guess just to kind of bring us full circle, what role do you think the materials sector will play in moving to you know, a more sustainable world? Yes, um, I, I do believe uh, it's um, it's a matter of, of changing our mindset because uh, we tend to see all the negatives uh, from from investing in in it's kind of commodities um, with all the negative. Um, media around that which is unfair in some cases um, we do understand that um, chemicals is a potentially risky um, area and with high damage in terms of um, biodiversity we do realize that uh, forest companies uh, of pulp and forest um, producers sometimes do not have the highest ESG standards and they contribute to deforestation. So it, it's, it's, um, it's just making these um, industries a part of the solution, making them 
do the right thing because they are doing something that is useful. It's just trying to make the change, uh, respecting the, the standards, respecting no matter what geographic location you are, uh, no matter what laws are in place where your company is operating, but just respecting the, the, the minimum standards, or actually the maximum, if possible, <laughs> uh, no matter where you, you, you operate. So it's, it's, a, it's a matter of changing our, our perception that all these companies are, are badly bad players, um, because it's not always the case. It is the case in some cases. <laughs> Mm, but uh, the, and that's that's our play. That's our role to play. It's identifying uh, the good, the bad, and engaging with the bad to make them good. Um, so I think it's um, sometimes a matter of uh, um, avoiding uh, cliches, avoiding um, uh, um, already made ideas that some companies, some sectors are bad and some sectors are good, uh, because you can have. Um, solar panel companies operating in a corruptive way and you may have a tobacco company doing the, the things right well no matter what you're producing it's debatable but um, you know um, sometimes sometimes we just need to to get our heads around what's needed uh, and how we need these companies to perform rather than just putting a crossover. Yeah, getting rid of those preconceptions. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today, Susanna. Thank you very much. It was very interesting. Thank you. And now joining me is Albert Dewar, Executive Chair of UBQ Materials, to talk about working in the sector itself. So for those listeners who aren't aware, can you give us a brief summary of what UBQ, Mater UBQ Materials does and your role there? Uh, thank you for having me, Natasha. Um, you know, one of the big problems that we're having is the whole concept of circular economy uh, is, is, is obvious. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense that we should be reusing things instead of, you know, taking them up from our planet. But the problem that we've had is actually putting it in practice. And, and I like to think of the circular economy a little bit like a pie. You know, it is circular after all. Uh, but the way that we've been attacking it is by trying to fix little slices of the pie rather than try to fix the entire pie. What UBQ does, at least for household uh, waste, in other words, everything that you throw away in your own uh, garbage bin, is to be able to reutilize the entire garbage bag. Okay, so basically what we've done is we put circular economy on steroids. Instead of trying to solve one little slice of it, you know, the PT bottles, or the plastic cup or the paper cup. What we have done at UBQ is solve the whole problem, including all the organics, including all the dirty paper and plastic uh, uh, and everything else that you throw away in your garbage bin. So we start off with that. And then what ends up happening is that we are able to turn everything that you threw away, all the chicken bones, all the half eaten hamburger, all the packaging that it came in, whether it's paper or plastic, we're able to turn all of it into a new material that replaces plastic and wood in thousands of applications. So you're gonna be able to utilize things in your own home that is actually made from your waste. In other words, from your chicken bones. What's your, uh, your sort of day-to-day -day job? What are, you, what are you working on specifically? So my, my, I, I come from the plastics industry. So in many ways, it's funny that 
someone who comes from, from, from plastics is the one that has, is helping resolve the entire waste problem. Uh, I started, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer that plastics have helped resolve a lot of problems in humanity in the sense that, you know, it's helped uh, to have cheaper food, to be able to transport things that we weren't able to transport before. So there's been a lot of benefits, but there's no question that there's a huge, huge problem with plastic waste. And that's how originally I started getting into UBQ. But as I learned more about waste, I realized that waste is not just about plastic. About 88% of waste is actually organic. And we don't like to talk a lot about that one, okay? It's all the food waste. It's all the dirty paper, all the dirty carton. And we don't talk a lot about it, but it's about 88% of all of our waste. And on top of it, that organic component, as it biodegrades, becomes methane. So on top of the problem that we have with landfills, our waste at the same time is one of the major producers of methane gases and CO2 emissions. Therefore, it's creating a lot of our climate change problems that we're seeing today. So a lot of things have to do, a lot of negative things have to do with waste. And I learned that thanks to having been in the plastics industry originally. That's how I got into UBQ. I know there are a lot of people like you sort of reformed from plastic. What, what are the trends that you're seeing in this sector as, it, as we all sort of try to move towards more sustainable um, ways of life, I suppose? Yeah, look, sustainability is an interesting thing because we have to be careful with it. It, the concept of life cycle assessment is very ingrained in people already, but they're not putting it completely in practice. We have to be careful that whatever solutions we find to our environmental problems don't cause other problems, okay, the side effects. And what I've seen uh, through, through the last 15 to 20 years is that a lot of the solutions that we find bring other problems. You know, today we're beginning to learn about how the batteries in our electric car are gonna generate other types of problems, whether it's because of the lithium or the cobalt, that type of a thing has happened with materials throughout, throughout uh, you know, again, the last few decades. So um, what I find is that there are people who truly are trying to resolve the problems and other people who are not, okay? I, I like to think of myself, or, and I think I am, as one of the ones who are finding the solutions. Now, the solutions are not easy. The solutions take time. They require a lot of capital and therefore a lot of people sort of shy away from them. It's a lot easier just to talk about solving the problem than actually solving it. One of the messages that I like to send particularly to the younger generation, I mean, I know that you can see me and our, 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 uh, you know, our listeners cannot see me, but I have white hair, okay? So it's important they know that. Um, one of the messages that I like to send uh, to the new generations is that mankind is really good at ruining things but we're also very, very good at fixing them. And the way that we fix them is with our brains and with technology. And that is the way that I think that industry and whether it's the plastics industry, whether it's, it's any industry that affects the planet can learn to do things in a different way than it used to and take us toward a much more sustainable uh, future. So for me, the fact that today we can literally think about having no more landfills, we can literally think about having no more waste and that our own waste will be reused for all of the things that we love to consume. That is, you know, the human brain being used in the correct way uh, in benefit of the planet. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned there some of the issues and uh, this, you know, you sort of said that uh, solutions are often creating new problems, but are there challenges that are quite specific to the material sector? I mean, it seems like 
waste is, is quite particular, right, to this, to yeah. this sector. Um, can you speak a bit about the sort of, um, yeah, specific challenges? Yeah, so look, number one, start off that by definition, materials require something to be, you know, they require a raw material from which they're made. So even though we think of materials as something at the end of a, uh, at the beginning of a, of, a, of a spectrum, they're actually many times toward the end because we have to have either taken, some, you know, we have to have mined something, you know, we have to have taken petroleum out of the earth, we have to have taken water out of somewhere, we have to have generated electricity. So when we're talking about materials, we're talking about much more than, than, than so that in itself is already a challenge. In other words, what are we gonna use as our input for our materials? Uh, usually the input by definition causes harm to the plant. So people say, okay, let's stop, uh, let's, let's stop extracting oil. Let's replace it with something that is, that is naturally grown. The minute that we talk about naturally grown, we're talking about agriculture. Agriculture, we all know, is a huge uh, predator of the environment, okay? I, I come from, from South America, go to the Amazon, okay? Who, who's destroying the Amazon? Agriculture is destroying the Amazon. So the input is extremely important. We have to uh, be very careful about what input we use in order to make our materials, and then we have to look at the entire process. How are we using those inputs in order to make the material that we want to make? And at each one of those stages, there's always some kind of a problem. And there's always several ways of doing the same thing, okay? So there's, there's a better way and a worse way. And many times, unfortunately, the better way is not always the cheapest one from, from a cash flow point of view. And those are the, the types of decision-making where the, the, the person generating the material has to be thinking about it from the very first moment that he's uh, either trying to invent, to produce, or to think about the material. And that's what we did at UBQ. Well, I'm just thinking then, so with that in mind, if, you know, for ESG investors thinking about the sector or particular companies, um, what should they be asking? What should they be looking out for? Look, the number one thing that I think that they need to look for is make sure that what they think is environmental is truly environmental. In the sector, the most important thing that you have to look at is, again, you have to look at the entire life cycle and you have to be very very clear on the inputs, very clear on, on how the technology is going to convert those inputs into a finished or, or into an intermediate product, which a material is, and how that material is then going to be used in order to fabricate products. You have to be looking at every single stage, whether each one of those stages affects the environment, how it affects the environment. Um, and in addition to that, in today's world, it's not even enough how much it affects the environment. Another point that I always try to make, which is extremely important for me at least, is that the societal effects of what you're trying to do also have to be positive. In other words, it's not good enough that the material is good, the input is good, but then you're going to do damage uh, you know, to a certain group of people or to a certain area of the world. It, it, you know, we can't live in that kind of a world anymore where where we just make benefits for ourselves or for a certain group of people and then other groups of people are penalized by it. So in ESG, those are all of the types of things that you have to look at. You also have to look at where the money's coming from. You know, I think that's also very important. Uh, uh, why the money is there? Is it there for the right reasons? I mean, there's a lot of, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, there's a lot of morality involved in ESG. Uh, we don't like to talk about it and we don't like to use the word many times, but the truth of it is, if you want to be a good ESG investor, 
thinking a little bit in moral terms will get you a very long way. And, and by moral, I mean, think about your planet, think about the people around you and think about future generations. And all of that to me is morality. It's not simply uh, finance. Mm. And just finally then, um, what's your outlook for the next year, five, 10, whatever for, for the sector? And like, what do we need to see happen to make sure that we are all living? Look, I think there's wonderful things coming. Again, I'm very positive, not negative. I really think that the problem is now clear. We have a problem. Uh, people understand we have a problem. That sounds incredible, but 10 years ago, people weren't so clear there was a problem. Okay, I think today we're all very, very aware that there is a problem and there's a lot of people trying to solve it. Uh, you know, I look at different materials, particularly within the thermoplastic uh, range and I see some that I have a great future, others that I'm not so convinced of, again, because I analyze them throughout their life cycle. Uh, in that sense, that's why I'm so happy with UBQ, because we did do that and, and, and we sort of get check marks uh, throughout the cycle. But what, what I foresee is that within the next 10 years, we will be consuming things or making things out of materials that we never imagined existed. Okay. I see things uh, today in the nanotechnology realm. I think these things in the organic realm, uh, products like UBQ that are basically organic. I see things, uh, just inventions out of nowhere, things that we're just not even thinking of today that are in a lab, uh, but that hopefully somebody will be able to make them uh, into a real product that we can consume uh, in our day-to-day -day lives. So I think there's a lot of change coming. And, and that change will come from a lot of different places uh, because there's a lot of very bright people thinking about them. What we need to do now is support it. Great, well, we'll have to check in with you in a year's time then and see if we- which For sure. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining today. Okay, thank you. Find us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for ESG Out Loud. <laughs>